Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And here we are on the uh, hottest day of the year. Um, for, yeah. once, for once, I'm glad not to be in the rugby dungeon. Well, it's actually nice and cool. So the rugby dungeon, it does get hot when we're all in it, debating furiously. Um, however, debating, the, debating, yeah, Fu- right. What what you get up to furiously in the rugby dungeon is entirely <laughs> your business, Jay. But it does stay nice and cool. Very yeah. cool. It's a yeah, around- yeah subterranean. That is probably a yeah, it's a good spot. But yeah. the, the problem is the heat load that with the three of us and all the equipment and the laptops and, and all, all the hot air we exhale. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's looking very sad. The rugby dungeon uh, at the moment. It's not been particularly particularly used because you guys aren't coming over. I've not kept it particularly tidy. There's bits <laughs> all over the floor. There's bits of trumpet by my feet. The drinks cup is, uh, is open and empty. Yeah, it's in, a, it's in a sad state. So I must really tidy it up. See, we need the we need this to be specifically mentioned in the next guidelines or of, of the restrictions. But they need to say which podcasters are able to resume normal function again. Yeah, we should definitely be able to podcast now. It's ridiculous. Um, good news though about six people. So we are at Didsbury Talk H, uh, the best rugby club in Manchester. Are now looking at how we can implement the six person rule into our training regimes by uh, setting up you know little bubble groups mm, that's clever to do running or anything like that we don't we don't really know yet i mean so tell pass me a, if, pa- pass a ball anti-vac it pass it again anti-vac it well tell me if this makes sense to you if you got six lads okay well that's your bubble if you exclude your hooker from the six just say six plus one and then you exclude your scrum half, who's also a forward. You actually have a six plus plus one lineout. Then I mean, we could do a lot of our lineouts just from that setup, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me just jump straight into one of the things that I wanted to talk about on this podcast. Yes, please. We, do. we are what eleven weeks now into this lockdown period. Uh, we are at the point that I mean, I, I watched um, the rugby today, not rugby tonight. I watched the rugby today on BT Sport today which was the last one of the season so it's the end of the rugby season this weekend in in terms of the calendar and we still haven't heard anything we haven't heard a peep out of Premier League rugby the last thing we heard from them was when they said back in I think the beginning of March they said we will be the first sport to resume playing fixtures out of all that that's that's the last thing we heard from Premier Rugby is that we will be the first sport back playing live. 
And, yes. and, the, and the, there was a very vague and generic um, when it is safe to do so. Yeah. Which, which doesn't really mean anything. But yeah, I, I've not seen anything. And, and there has been, there's been other stuff moving in the background. So last week we discussed the um the government's advice the state two stages of returning to training for elite athletes um which is good news and as part of the second part of that you can um return with groups of four to twelve people um where it's safe to do some where you're following the guidelines and we have this week seen some interesting um potential law variations, optional law variations oh, from, the, world, from world rugby. Yeah, we will get into those in a minute. Because <laughs> well, I'm sure we've got lots to say about that. They are just idiotic. Yeah, um, but, but like, surely, do you, do you not think we're at the point now, at the, about to go into June tomorrow, or today as you're listening to this podcast, we're now in June. Should they just say, right, we're setting a date of the middle of August that we're working towards, or we're writing off this season? One or well, other. Can I just okay? Let let's come to that in a minute because I feel that we've skipped we've skipped a step here, which is we've gone from the safety part, and I want to talk about the safety part of it because there's someone who has written a paper somewhere, some sports doctor saying it is unsafe to play again for six weeks of preseason. Have you seen that? I, I saw, I've seen that there's there seems to be some consensus on the six weeks because previously some of the clubs were saying four weeks and some were saying eight weeks. I mean, I understand you need some sort of fitness. I just don't... I, here's what I can't really get my head around. I'm sure there's a very clever expert somewhere, but I think we've all had enough of experts at this point. But there's some very clever experts somewhere that says it's not safe after six weeks. Okay. I could understand if it is not safe after six weeks if your whole team had not trained for 11 weeks or played for 11 weeks, as is the current situation, and then you ask them to play a fully fit team. I can understand why that would be a problem. I can also understand why it'd be a problem if you were talking about one player coming into a team who hasn't had enough uh, rehab after an injury or has been stood down after illness or, or whatnot. I can see why that would be a problem. But when everyone has a level, a level playing field, I don't really see how much additional risk, because I guess it's not about absolute safety, because you'll never get that. It's rugby. It's about the additional risk. So I can't see how much additional risk that there is. They... Well, well, they have. I think, I think the study you're talking about has, and, and some people have questioned, um, I think six weeks is a bit much. We don't need that much. Four weeks would be fine. But uh, that, that was based on uh, cast iron examples of when there were, like, for example, in the NFL, when there was a lockout and there was collective bargaining and it got delayed by 40 days or something, and, and it was in the NRL. So it was, when there was actual examples of this happening, there was a, a, something like a fourfold amount of injuries, particularly Achilles injuries and things like that, on the resumption of playing. So there is some sort of... But do you not think... There so? is some sort of hard data background. I, I agree with what you're saying in principle, but all I'm saying is it's not just been plucked out of thin air. But like every player has a different level of fitness. I would say a lazy player coming into a team would be far more danger than 15 versus 15 at the same level of fitness. But I guess, I, I, on the other hand, I guess if you're an enormous man trying to move mass about, Achilles will get hurt if you're not conditioned for it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't... The, the, whether it's four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks, I, I think the most important thing is you get 
agreement that, that there is a length of time that everyone will buy into and you oh, can start the process. Which is why they could say, middle of July, we're, yep. we're going to be go. I mean, they might have to tweak it and move it back by a week or whatever, but at least there's something in the calendar. Or at this point in June, say, we're done for this season. Saracens are down. Uh, Newcastle are coming up and we're writing the rest of the season off. Yeah. Do one so, of those two things, but we've had yeah. nothing. Yeah. I've kind of authority, not that it's any different to anyone else's authority or what you'd guess, but July or beginning of August, and thought of beginning of August to wait for bloody rugby is just, it's too much. <laughs> but, well, one, one, one good bit of news for clubs, at least, and, and for players, was, I think it was in the Daily Mail this week, that HMRC have confirmed that returning to training uh, will not um, prohibit players from being furloughed because they're not providing a service or generating revenue. Yeah. That that, is, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's good. good for clubs. And it's, that is actually a decision that um, probably that they could have done with a, a little while ago. Because if, if that was known... So why is that different? to having a sales force and saying for the next four weeks we're going to go on intensive training but you stay on furlough so i I think you can so training for staff and individuals is relevant providing it is is okay for furlough providing you're not providing a service or um, generating revenue selling then then the furlough has to stop correct so they could be furloughed all the way through until it's, it's time to go Pretty much, yeah. Which, if if you've got forty players on furlough and a whole host of staff, it's you're talking um, hundreds of thousands Interesting. Per month of revenue or government-backed revenue. But presumably, the staff have to provide a service. The physios still have to provide a service. The chefs still have to provide a service. The commercial, yeah, but, God knows what you do with them. Yeah, but, but it's it, it's so the point is it's revenue. point is it's, it's it's a positive move for uh, as an incentive to actually get things moving for for any clubs that might be on the 50 50 going it's not really i'm not sure this is totally worth it we're gonna we're gonna cripple ourselves financially it is it's buffering that slightly so that is a good move um, yeah we'll, we'll get into we'll get into what else uh, world rugby have been suggesting in just a minute but i have um, said on twitter at rugby podcast uh, give us a shout if there's anything you want to talk about this evening and um, <laughs> uh, i'm i might have actually actually well, last week's podcast might have stitched myself up a little bit because today um, I was the Room 101 in the rugby paper. Yeah, very good. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Sorry? I enjoyed it a lot. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> so my, my three things I disliked um, and would put in Room 101, having, happy, having your birthday at work and your colleagues love- singing happy birthday yeah. to you. Incorrect. Love it. Do you? <laughs> Genuinely? Yeah. So how do you do your birthdays at work? Do you have to bring stuff in? No, they just, at some point, they just come up to you and everyone gathers around and they bring you a Colin Caterpillar and everyone sings happy birthday. It's, excru- yeah, so, it's excruciating. Ooh. Ooh. So, so in my old work, uh, you had to bring some, uh, it always used to be you had to bring cakes in, but that, was, that wasn't good enough for me. I always wanted to, you know, I'll, I'll compete. So I bought in things like a, a cheese board. Uh, I, I baked a pie for the entire office once. Um, <laughs> done loads of stuff, stuff like that. Uh, and I, I, I absolutely love it. The second Although, one. Oh, sorry, go on. Just so you know, I don't like the singing. I am with you. And they do um, ambush you with the birthday box. Oh. Yeah. Oh, quite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they, when they do the, um, we're having a little wit round for that person who you have never met. 
who works <laughs> four floors above you. Hang on. So Everyone's you... putting a tenner, but you put in what you want, but just I'll watch you do it. <laughs> so, you, so you work, Tim, in the fluffy world of media. I work, uh, worked for a small business. Phil, what does, the, what does your faceless PLC do for your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as it's a construction site uh, that I work on, not very much, to be honest. If someone, wants to, if, well, if someone wants to bring in cakes uh, to celebrate their own birthday, they're more than welcome. And I'll often help myself to a little, little brownie or muffin or slice of cake that's from the kitchen and generally never really ask whose birthday it is and just, uh, just enjoy it. A faceless oh. HR email. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm all for giant corporations now. Um, <laughs> so my, my second one was full kit wankers. Um, and my third one was oversharing online with my point being that instead of saying from now on, if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? We should just say, if someone goes on a jog, goes for a jog and doesn't post a screenshot on social media, did it really happen? And um, unfortunately, we've had it pointed out by quite a few people <laughs> that we spent a chunk of last week's podcast talking about <laughs> Phil's 5K time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and JB's workouts and yours with Tim. And Bowden Barrett's Bronco time. Bronco, yeah. And Murph. We're, we're just as bad. We are just as So, yeah, I'm, I'm, to, I'm a total hypocrite there. <laughs> I, am, I am the... Um, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm the Dominic Cummins of rugby. But exactly. I'm, a, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> it's one, one rule for me and another rule for everyone else. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, I would never share my, um, my pull-ups on, um, on, uh, on Twitter. And I made a point... <laughs> Point of pointing them out this week. This week, actually, horrible behaviour. I do. I do want to ask though. Now you've sucking me into that because I want to know what was the structure <laughs> that you did your hundred pull-ups in? Because you said uh, I've done a hundred pull-ups. Sets of fours and fives. Oh, that's good. Still good. That's really good, mate. Uh, a couple of threes in there as well. It's impressive. Right, we got one from uh, Gilaum Volpi on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. Said, um, "Did you catch uh, Flats and Shanks doing their England Wales um, watch along?" I think this should be done again, but with different countries. Well, GM, keep your keep keep your eyes and ears peeled. We, we, there, there may be some news on that front. Uh, we're we, we're just uh, in negotiations, so we'll see. We'll see what we can do about that. We'd we'd love to see more of it. And we agree they're a great idea that World Rugby are doing. They're doing loads of great content, by the way, via their Facebook channels and um, and YouTube and stuff. So keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Yes. Um, right, so World Rugby, lots of people want to ask about this. Orange Card has got a lot of attention. So World Rugby have, have brought in 10, they've said they're 10 law variations, which they are saying like a voluntary trial. Here's some ideas, possibly in, in this post-COVID world. They haven't to go and something you already want. Yeah, would you, would, do you want to give them a go? It's, you know, what do you think? They've put them out there. None of them, not one of them. Um, nope. Well, actually, let's, let's, let's break it down for the listener. What are they first? So it's focusing on four areas. You've got the scrum, the tackle, the rook, and the maul. Um, there's a few which I wouldn't necessarily hate. For example, uh, remove, the, remove a reset scrum when no infringement occurs. So the ball's at the back of the scrum. It collapses, but there's no obvious infringement. Just play, play the ball. But that exists. I thought that meant they were just going to give a free kick. Um. Uh, yeah. Sorry. 
you have got the free kick rather than the yeah just playing the ball. So but even uh, that then. So the reason that I mean, look, as a man who's done his fair share of propping, there are many ways to bring down a scrum which might not look illegal. Yeah. I mean, if you just bring one down and then apologise, say, "Look, really sorry, that's on me. I slipped." They always give you the be- always, always give you the be- benefit of the doubt, anyway. So, you know, it's you know, yeah. if they've got a very powerful scrum and you haven't, it's uh, a nightmare. So, yeah. the, the, broadly speaking, the reason that World Rugby are saying, and I'm choosing my words carefully, and I'll explain myself in a minute. The reason the World Rugby are saying they're suggesting these potential law variations is to reduce transmission rate potential of coronavirus. And that's where this whole thing gets a bit ridiculous. Something must be done, it strikes me as the attitude here. Well, well yeah, potentially. Here's, here's my sort of, uh, here's my conspiracy theory. Here's my, I'll be the Carol Cadwallader of uh, rugby right now. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I, I, I can't help thinking, is this world rugby just trying to, push through stuff they'd like to do to change rugby, the spectacle of rugby, and just opportunistically jump in on the back of coronavirus to try and get some of it done. Yeah. I mean, look, there are some things they have done in the past, right, which I have initially disagreed with. But in hindsight, I've looked back and thought, yeah, they were right, actually. They were right. I'll give you an example. I thought the new the tackle laws, which were never changed but just re-emphasised, things like seatbelt tackle and whatnot, would result in more head injuries uh, to the tackling players, they go, well, yada, 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 not, not, a, not a good idea. Turns out, actually, when I look at the game now, and even the game which I just reviewed for our next podcast, the Wales-England game, there are shots in that Wales-England game which I think now, yeah, I'm glad that they don't, I'm glad that they no longer happen. So I, so, so I was wrong. That said, when World Rugby do things like, uh, and I'm jumping ahead one now, but remove the choke tackle or remove another part of the game, the problem with it is, is it, continually narrows the things that players can do and as such sort of concentrates it on less less players that can do fewer things better. Does that make sense? So if you're a bigger lad, I like to tackle high. I I particularly like to try and get the occasional choke uh, uh, choke tackle. If you remove that, I don't think I can run around hitting people low. I just can't do it. It's it's not my thing. So the game will emphasise only a certain type of player. Scott Gibbs and Lee Mears type players. Low centre of gravity, big units. Or even just like a, a Dan Lydiot style player who doesn't mind putting his head by shins. Well, I do actually. Jacques, Jacques Berger. I, yeah, I, I, I don't do that. So no thanks. You're too pretty to do that, Jay. Exactly right. <laughs> So I, I, I don't really like any of these potential law variations. I, I just, I, again, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist, but and, and, I, I'm, 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 I'm skeptical how much this reduces transmission when you go, oh, we'll only have, we'll only have, you know, two minutes of your faces being next to each other, breathing all over each other rather than, rather than like, four minutes. It's things like the mall, right? So, it was going to go down to three seconds from five seconds or something, or the malls were going to be short. No, so that the th- five seconds to three seconds is the use it at the back of a rook. Yeah, Which, sorry. I mean that. I don't really have a problem with that. And no one else can join. No one else can join a mall after it's initially formed and now, mall that, is called. 
Because yeah. you could just, like, the unintended consequence would be you'd organise yourself to do really quick set malls with three people in, with them only having one in, and then you can just march yeah. it 100 metres and they can do nothing. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That, that is so badly thought through, that, that mall idea. And or, it, it's just, just not enforceable. I mean, what, on, on someone's try line, if you manage to set up one of those malls and it's six against three, what is the defending team supposed to do? Just watch their no. mall pushed over the try line? Yeah, well, yes, would be the answer. But let me put it another way for you, because I think this is quite interesting. I, I would discount that quite so quickly. Okay, so when I am, or when I think about lineouts, one of the things that you can do to make sure you win the ball quicker is turn getting to a lineout into a bit, basically a fitness a fitness competition get 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 there quick set up first throw it in and off you go and that's actually um oh who was the all black who did it really really well one, uh, one of the all blacks i can't remember oh, it's not chris it wasn't jack it was someone else um, ali williams so he would he would just nod get it in and the trigger would be when two of their guys come into the line out and the reason that would be is because the laws say when you have two in you you can then go so what you would have here is a situation where actually teams would be, re- would be really punished and you'd be turning that line out into basically a fitness competition for both sides. It would be imperative for both sides to get there. So there might be the unintended consequence. It sounds ridiculous now, but you might speed up the game and you also might take away a bit of the physicality because the imperative to get that line out might actually be more important than having huge ball, ball, uh, huge ball carriers. I would agree with that. The, the only downside being, I think one of the law variations was also no malls from lineouts. Oh, really? Really? Or it was something like, well, I think that might have been one of the occasions where it's, it's catching down, or have I got that totally wrong, Phil? Phil's looking it's, confused. It's, it's on the rationale of that one, it's, but it's, it's just giving, uh, there are eight point, on average, 8.2 lineout malls per match, with 60% of lineout malls have all eight forwards from both sides involved. Oh, okay. So it's, it's the rationale. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've, I've misinterpreted that. Uh, the yeah. orange card, what do you, you make of this one? So the orange card, um, Phil, perhaps you can summarise that if, um, if, if you've got it handy. Yeah, so it, it's creating a, a third card, a third option for the referee. So you give your normal yellow or red, but you can also give an orange card which signals to the TMO that um, while that player is off, they can review the incident and determine if it was a yellow card, then the orange card stands and they have 15 minutes in the bin. And if it was a red card, they stay off permanently. And the idea is to speed the game up? Um, So the rationale, and this is where it does get ridiculous. And Tim, you mentioned examples before of saying like reducing... um, reducing the total um, high-risk activity time of scrums by two minutes across an 80-minute match. That sounds ridiculous because they're trying to reduce transmission. On this, the narrative is to try and reduce higher transmission, which is a head-to-head or upright tackles, to reduce the risk of transmission. Uh, Right, okay. I don't know why you need an orange card. Could not just review every every yellow? So that's where I am. Everything starts as a yellow. Even red starts as yellow. Well, yellow. Well, also, well, so the, the bit I don't... Yeah, go on, Phil. So my, my, this, to me, this is trying to solve a problem by increasing complexity. What yes. you want to do is uh, solve a problem by increasing simplicity. So if this is the, the outcome they want, so 
by, by doing this, all referees eventually will just say, oh, I'll just give an orange card because I'm safer and let, let the, the TMO deal with it. Which, surely you're better to say, we just give a card, one card, the player goes off straight away, and then the TMO deals with it, and the TMO can then decide if it should have been a yellow or should have been a red. I totally yeah. agree with you, Phil. That creates Everything. a perfectly simple solution. Now, that, I don't really like that because you're taking the decision-making away from the referee, um, and you're taking it for those people in the stadium. They, they don't get transparency on the decision-making process. But that is a more effective way of doing what they're trying to do here. Totally. And the thing, uh, and even, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a better idea than the orange card idea, because as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, the orange card is applied potentially even when the sanction is actually only a penalty and the player, and the player stays off for the yeah. full 15 or 20 minutes or whatever it is, even if it on, right. on review was only a penalty offence. Whereas if you actually, you could cut down the time by, by a referee establishing that's definitely worthy of a card. And now the distinction is, do, is, it, is it worthy of a red or downgraded to a yellow? That decision can be made in the 10 minutes while a yellow card is given. I wonder but, if it's... But if, you, but if you chuck people off for potential penalty offences so that a TMO can have a look at it and keep them off for 15 minutes regardless, what, what are you yeah. playing at? I wonder if there's an argument to be made to keep refereeing crews um, together. Now, I know this is a bit different because currently, so say JP Doyle will ref, will ref one game and then he'll be a touch judge for the next and so on and so forth, right? Uh, so they don't always ref. The top refs don't always ref. They can be running, they can be uh, assistant refs and whatnot. But I reckon if, is there an argument to say every ref should always have the same video ref you know in the same way that every team works well or better if they're together for a long period of time so So basically basically what you're suggesting is turning refereeing groups into like wwe um collectives (laughs) give them names like that as well but like if you do them in pairs say you can always get a tmo and a ref and you can always get two two touch judges and the reason i say that is because maybe one of the problems referees have is they don't trust the guy in, in the booth. I mean, they do trust them, obviously. But it's different to if you've worked with the guy for God knows how long. So you just say, right, orange card. I can then get rid of that, that, that responsibility to my friend up, um, up in the booth who I trust implicitly to come to the right decision. And that will be that. And So I was thinking about that, but from a, from a different angle, which is part of the problem of the people in the stadium not having the transparency on the decision-making process is there's, there's still not enough consistency for people to trust that if you don't see the process that it's being done right. Mm. And that, that's my, that would be more my concern rather than the ref trusting the, the man upstairs. It's having the, the fans, the audience in the stadium trusting that the, the correct decision will, will be made 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I think just going, going back, not trying to repeat exactly what I just said, but I think a crowd and TV audiences and whoever would understand a ref taking enough time to establish whether a card is, is, is worthy, but asking for some clarification on which card, because it makes no difference to the game going on from that point forward. If it meets a threshold for a yellow card, definitely, but potentially a red, it makes no difference to the game being able to move on to have that decision made in the 10 minutes while a yellow card sin bin is being done. And if it's a red, the player just doesn't return. 
I guess what all three of us can agree on is the virus must be terrified of the orange card. (laughs) (laughs) What what difference it makes to transmission. I've yet to to discover that part. The only other thing for an orange card would be a sanction between a yellow and a red, either more time off or the player that gets orange card has to go off but can be replaced by a sub. That's the only thing. But I don't know why I want any more complexity. I'm happy as it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Phil about making it simpler. The, the one potential that an orange card might do, not not applied in the manner that World Rugby have suggested, where a player just goes off, even if it's only a penalty offence. I don't like that. But an orange card, so that just almost as a point of principle, so red cards then you could keep for egregious foul play or cheating or swearing at the ref, biting, gouging, things like that yeah. that are really nasty, rather than a mistimed bad tackle. Just almost on a principle level, that would I, I'd like red cards to be mean something like that. That'd be cool. But yeah, the orange card can go. I'm not in any way a fan of that. I think I think that's which again begs the question. World rugby aren't having a very good time of it with things they're suggesting and trying to get through and actually getting them done. It sounds like the things that they're suggesting are already things they're trying to push suspiciously. Yeah, which links back to Tim, your point at the start and. The, the ludicrous rationales behind each one of these. Like they, they really are ludicrous. Well, thankfully, Premiership Rugby have said thank you, but no thank you, as have the New Zealand, New Zealand conference. conference. And I suspect a lot of this, obviously they want to push the things they've already been pushing. That's fine. Um, I mean, it would be, it, might, it would put me in a real, real um, pickle if it happens to be COVID is spread from chest to head uh, contact that that would really really mess them up or chest to lower leg uh, sorry head to lower leg uh, contact no um, covid is spread when the tackler is bent at the waist yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the worst worst case for transition um but maybe it's just a case of look we need to get a message to the media that we take i mean why i don't know why but maybe they want us just be seen to be taking covid really really seriously and no one's, no one's just suggested that they weren't to start with. Uh, yeah, but this, if, that, if that is their objective, this, it reads like a joke. The, the, it's the rationale bit. Like, I, could, I can understand them wanting to tr- try some of these uh, law variations with their other motives, but to, to dress it up as... But, you know what would actually work? Do you know what would actually work? Go so on. Was eliminating the knock-on? <laughs> I mean, it would actually work. You'd have far fewer scrums. There you go. I mean, there you yeah, go. But so, yeah, and for anyone that hasn't, if, you, if you've sort of more recently joined us and you haven't been listening for years, it's an idea that J, JB came up with. And when he initially came up with it, Phil and I laughed our heads off. Thought, oh. he's gone absolutely mad. But the more he spoke about it and the more we actually considered what it meant, so deliberate knock-ons, as ever, that's a penalty card, maybe even a yellow. Uh, but a knock-on, having no sanction... So long as it has no tangible benefit to the team, if, if they knock it on and then regather it, for example, if you knock it on and then score a try. Yeah, you can't, can't score a try from a knock-on. And you also can't knock... Also, the original knock-on rules apply, and you can mess around with this, in the five-metre if you're attacking, if that, if that makes sense. So you can't so, knock it... But other than that, let the boys play, because in what circumstance does anyone try, to, to, knock, try to knock the ball on like rather the, than yeah. retain possession? Yeah, you can knock the ball on in the NFL. And yeah, it just becomes like a fumble. Yeah. yeah, it's an absolute disaster. Yeah, and if, if it was really successful, grubber kicks would be everywhere all the time. 
Yeah, exactly. If it is a yeah, so there you go. That would have worked, and it would save you lots, lots of paper and lots of expert hours. It seems mad. It seems like a mad well, idea, but actually, if World Rugby really wanted to um, have less scrums, that would keep rugby looking like rugby. Yep. But would actually achieve their aim, whereas what World Rugby have actually actually suggested would change it to something unrecognisable from the sport we all love. It'd be recognisable, but it'd also be a farce. It'd be a recognisable farce. In short, what wouldn't be a farce is JB being in charge of World Rugby. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> maybe 2020. Yeah, upgrade your, upgrade your JB 2021 or whatever it is from RFU Council to World Rugby Chief yeah, Exec. Well, I think with all the politics going on, I think I'm going to avoid the hashtag JB2020 for, for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe Biden 2020. In it. Far <sighs> Joe. Right. Um, so, uh, some news elsewhere from the world of rugby. Japan looked like they're going to be playing the British and Irish Lions at Murrayfield prior to the Lions tour. Very good, very that'll, nice. That'll be some money in the coffers of Scottish rugby, much needed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because the last time it was done was 2005, under Woodward. Argentina against the Lions in Millennium, yes? In Cardiff, yeah. So that was the, that was the last time that they played a home test. Uh, in 2013, wasn't it, they played in Hong Kong against the Barbars team. They did? Um, I've, I can understand anything to get more money into the game at the moment. I understand the rationale behind that. It just, it's something doesn't quite sit right with the, the history, the Lions, the, 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 what it stands for and the touring element of it to be having a, a home, um, home game. I, do, I just think Murrayfield's a problem. I, I, for some reason, the Millennium Stadium sort of fits in well with it. I don't know why it's, it's not even that modern though, but it sort of still feels it. I just think I just don't think Edinburgh is a good place to host a Lions a Lions tour. I have no problem with them on the go, you know, on the way stopping off at Claremont or stopping off yeah. somewhere, you know, even playing something in 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 Twickenham. I think actually, yeah, it's fine. It's probably quite a good way to crowbar in another game, but I just don't really like the venue of Edinburgh. I'm with Phil in terms of the tradition. I don't like it. It just doesn't feel right but I understand the reality of the modern world. And as much as it's money for the Scottish Rugby Union or whoever else, I also think much as they included Argentina, including these teams that don't ever get a Lions series in some way, I, I see that as a reasonable halfway house. Versus France would be cool. I, I tell you what. The, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. That would be I'd awesome. Love, that would be France, great. France is probably the greatest tour which will never happen. We could all we could all travel. Some of the midweek games would be dynamite. Clem, yeah. Racing, Toulon. Uh, the scenery would be amazing. The crowds would be amazing. The tests against a fresh national team would be outstanding. Yeah. I mean, there would. I, I don't think there's a better tour which has never happened. It would be an incredible tour. I ge- genuinely, I think that would be sensational to do that. Yeah. And we could fly over and also, it's just, yeah, that's all. I mean, also, if you want to talk about, you know, keeping it traditional, and I am kind of with you on that. I am a big traditionalist. We should do it. The pro- we should, we should, we should do, it, do, it, do it properly and put them on a boat for six months. <laughs> and then, then they've got to play, yeah, six months on a boat, followed by uh, 
64 games in the, <laughs> re- the remaining four months of their tour. That'd be perfect. <laughs> uh, another bit of news, the um, Los Angeles Giltinis. Yes. Well, oh, wow. What Major, is League, the- Major League Rugby last year, it was the Austin... No, what was the... Not Austin, was it? Yeah, Austin... Gil- Austin Gil- 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 Gronies. Yeah. Where, um, what's the Jill part of this again? I don't really get it. This is, I don't understand why they're called Giltini. Hold on. Is it Gil? Is it Jill? Is that Gil or Gil? I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but, but basically, um, Austin's Major League Rugby team named themselves after a newly made reversioning of a Negroni, which we were very, very excited about, as, you know, yeah. as you'll understand. Well, with long time no. advocates, everyone's been getting on the Negroni bandwagon exactly. since, since we were. I've got to say, I'd never, ever heard of a sports team named after a drink, and I love it. I think it is brilliant, brilliant advertising and brilliant branding. Well, so, um, yeah, so this new team is in Los Angeles, which is a cool team. If you, I mean, if you were going to have a team anywhere called Martinis, well, Jill Tinis, then it would be Los Angeles. But there is a team in California, in, in, around the LA area, who are called uh, Martini... Martini Rugby Club. Really? Yeah. How That's cool. A, yeah, it's very cool. But I think I would. I rather, I mean, I do see the attraction of cocktails, as does everyone. I'm not sure I wouldn't go with a, a type of sparkling wine, though. Like the champagnes or something like that. Maybe not the Proseccos. The champagnes is pre- pre- pretty cool. If Eggchasers ever get a sevens team up, though, uh, we would have to go with the Negronis. Definitely. That's bad. Um, I've just been looking up why it's called... Uh, sorry, I'm going to say it is called the uh, Gilgronies and the Giltinis. Okay. Uh, because and th- this, this sounds ridiculous. So um, one of the clubs for the Gilgronies, um, one of the club's backers, is an Australian gym tycoon called Adam Gilchrist, not the famous cricketer. <laughs> not the cricketer. Not the cricketer. Different, oh, Adam different Gil- um, okay. And his group, his um, Giltini group is his um, company. So they've been trade- trademarking drinks, including the Giltai, the Gila Colada, <laughs> the Gilito... <laughs> <laughs> and the Gilmapolitan. Wow. Hang on. So, so is he behind the Giltini? Uh, As- I can only assume he is. So he owns two teams? Ooh, it wouldn't happen in Europe. It wouldn't happen in Europe, no. Uh, let alone have, like, similar branding. That is, like, that, is, that is either someone who is amazing fun and doesn't take himself seriously, or it is a total oh. narcissist. Yeah, he's a, yeah. yeah. There, there's no middle ground in that guy, is there? <laughs> I, I think if he's an Aussie guy, I, I I wouldn't mind betting he's the first of those two. Let's hope so. And he's he's a rugby man, clearly. Oh yeah, he's put he's putting he he's putting plenty every, of money into rugby. And also, why is he rebranded every? I mean, as a gym instructor, I can understand him re, rebranding like protein shakes and whatnot. But but cocktails is a weird one. Jay, you need to get onto him. You could be like the. Didsbury Gill Lagers. Yeah, we could sort something out. I was always 
we can do we can well how one step at a time tim i first got to get on the phone to mission winner to get some of that good cigarette money um, <laughs> one, once i've done that then i'll get on to mr gilchrist but i, I we're at the egg chasers rugby podcast we're totally on board with uh, adam gilchrist's move and it's made a road trip to the states all the more likely to be there at maybe in austin or in la for you know the, the big Gilgroni v. Giltini matchup. Yeah. yeah. The shake-up. Hell yeah. The shake-up. Oh my God. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll cause quite the stir. Anyway. Um, Is that a pun as well? We... Yes. Very <laughs> good. I've got, I've got loads more. Uh, yeah. It, best of luck to Mr. Gilchrist and his team slash teams. Agreed. Absolutely. Um. So one final thing on sort of administrative level, there's been some rumours that the Northern Hemisphere could shift to more of a summer calendar running February to October or March to, to October um, mm. with the off-season being November, December, pre-season being January, February and leagues getting underway after the Six Nations. Uh, to be honest, I think they've got us. I think... At the moment, we're also desperate just to see the sport again. We'll take anything. So, yeah, if you want to do that, do it. Just, just, just give it me back now. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I also think from a, another point of view, like the, the Southern Hemisphere will be much more willing to come to the table and, and bend to achieve bend. something, some sort of consensus as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, just, I just want it back. So that means you've got to play it on those uh, the thing is though what warms my heart is club rugby in the mist of winter i love it i absolutely love it you know sideways rain finish early gets dark get on the pub it's absolutely brilliant that's that's why you play the game and the summer's nice but it's nice it's nice for the contrast i don't want that all of the time and i also desperately do not want to do pre-season in the winter i think pre-season would be an absolute killer for amateur rugby so the way I look at it is because it is summer you get a lot of people who are like keen and they don't mind coming down and you stick with it because you love the game that's why you play through winter you play through it because you love it and if you swap those two things around you're not going to show up just out of interest see what rugby's like in December not at all so yeah I, I, mean, well, I, I don't know if the suggestion was the amateur game follows suit but um, I mean there's lots of people that have long argued that one of the reasons they can't get to rugby or watch rugby is because they're playing rugby. Yeah. yeah I, I, that, that's a good point. Um, rugby league followed suit. So that was always... It has, with, hasn't really worked for them though, has it? Rugby league, no, just that, that move has not worked for rugby league. And uh, by the way, like if the lads were playing in the summer, it's hard enough for, for Didsbury Talk H, the, the best rugby club in Manchester, to navigate our way through bloody ski season, let alone um, <laughs> holiday and wedding season. Yeah, I think you'd have to keep. And it might it might actually be better for for social rugby um, to work that way to be misaligned with the main rugby season. You get mm. more people going to to proper games and more people turning out for their their clubs. Yeah, and actually, that's what kind of what they do with New Zealand in a way, isn't it? They have the like the amateur, not the amateur, but the lower level stuff played first. ITM might have, yeah. Yeah. What's the can... what's the Mad Monday they have in Australia? What's that for? Mad- because the, what? It's the Super League thing. It's, yeah, it's, I know. I know it's a Super League thing, but what? What is it? It's the end of the regular league season. Is that? Is that it? Yeah, it's basically when. Um, well, if it's like if it's anything like it, 
is in the UK. It's when you basically all the shops in Oldham board themselves up because they know on the Monday it's going to be barbecue. <laughs> You you got to um got to get some bubbling in on Mad Monday. <laughs> Who was the it, fella that did the bubbling? I can't remember. Can't remember his name. He went to uh, Warrington. Moynihan. No, I don't wasn't, know. Wasn't Moynihan the dog? dog, the dog no, I, it was both. Was he both? Both, yeah. So the dog and the bubbling. Yeah, I think he did the dog first and apologised, but the bubbling was a step too far for the moralistic Australian bubbling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost certain that is the case. I, I I would have thought it would have been the other way round because one he just did one he did to himself. The bubbling was there was no victim in that. It, it was horrible, but there was no victim. Victimless uh, crime. Victimless crime. The dog one, not so much. That sounds like a voluntary exchange of. <laughs> I think I, I think what happened is the dog thing happened first. And the reason I think that is because he's on his last warning and then he gets caught bubbling in public. <laughs> if, I, I imagine bubbling's probably on Urban Dictionary if you're listening and not sure what we're talking about. But um, <laughs> there was a rugby league player who got very carried away with the Mad Monday. Yeah. So um, did, did anyone watch Broncos Eels? Was it Broncos? No, I've not watched any of the, the NRL. NRL. I watched a little bit of the, um, uh, the, the Canberra Raiders v... I can't remember who they were playing. Melbourne Storm. Tell you, fair play. What a product. I mean, I've not really watched NRL. A lot of the lads um, at, at the club do, and they love it. I've not really seen it, and I sat down to watch it, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And do you know what else was brilliant? This is worth uh, talking about. The trailer. You, yeah, the, uh, the NRL trailer. The trailer. Oh, my word, yeah. Totally ridiculous. It was amazing. I'll, I'll they, play it. I'll play a bit of it. How they're using that in 2020? Like a lot, of the, a lot of the clips are a lot of the clips are 10 years old, and it, it's well, yeah, it, it, well, because it's if if they were now even in rugby league there would be red card offences left, well, right, and centre in that. Apparently, two of the incidents that they use in that in that clip are straight reds. Yeah, in, in the it, clip. Have a listen to this. You kick off. You run and you whack. <laughs> you whack. <laughs> so, we're thinking someone faster and harder than us. Harder. Oh my goodness me, I just saw Sam Bird just do the most outrageous hit. No arm, <laughs> shoulder barge, red oh, like it's red all day long. Whack. Whack you bash. Can you imagine presenting this to the uh, content people at Premier Rugby? Uh, they'd be, first of all, they, they would be absolutely gobsmacked that you use the word whack. It's like, no, 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 it's skills. Let alone you say it twice. Uh, they would, they would, there'd be consternation. Um, and also, it's, it's one of those adverts which is completely not plugged into today's... Um, concerns about safety it is one of the most pure things i've seen it it it's basically built to appeal to people like me and it does so beautifully there, there, there's nothing else in it other than rugby and hitting people yeah so what i would say about that is it is it knows its audience it's it does. It's, exactly. to, it's totally truthful it might not be politically correct 
in, in, in the current climate with the health and safety of rugby and the concussions, which obviously we're very concerned about, but it is, it knows its audience because yeah, you learned yeah. about these and still make a promotional video, um, which we enjoy a lot and which sells the things which I enjoy about the sport more importantly, which everyone does. I mean, and there the, was no, there was no hiding it. There was no, um, Oh, actually, these, these collisions are wrong. It's, a, it's actually an evasion game about skill. No, no, no. You whack, and then you whack, and then you can fit through a few offloads. And by the way, let's not gloss over the offloads. The offloads. The one way, sort of, it looks like it should have been forward. The offloads, I, I can't even describe it. It's, it's like witchcraft. It, there's some amazing, there are some amazing skills. They even, are. Even with all the bish. Yeah. Um, and, how many, and how many rugby union fans were talking about it but because yep. uh, there was and a lot of people were going a lot of people i saw on twitter sort of felt the need to caveat look i do care about people's uh you know brain trauma and stuff um so just want to get that out there but this is good as well isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i guess the only way you look at it is it's like cutting an f1 promo using crashes <laughs> <laughs> And that's basically what it is. I mean, there's two red cards in there, straight red cards. <laughs> imagine imagine the, the, the Premiership promo with uh, Dylan Hartley calling the ref a cheat. Cheat! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I actually felt a little bit dirty after watching it because I, it got me kind of excited about rugby again. Oh, it got me so felt excited. For, for, for thinking, God, this is incredible. Isn't it weird that if you just cut up the best bits of a few games and put them into a small, a small video that, that, that works? Who would have thought? Amazing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We've got, um, we've got some questions here. Quick one. Yes. Well, well, Matt Cotton has said, please, the swing story. Um, we'll we'll keep that. The zip line. The zip not, line story. Not, not, to, not, not today. Not, I'm trying to forget that. Not today. <laughs> um, we have got one about, uh, we've ticked off a lot of these, actually. There was one I just saw. Oh, yeah. It was from Alex Skitt. And he says, um, who would be, if anyone, the Dominic Cummings of rugby. If Dominic in, Cummings was a rugby player, who would he be? So do you know what? I watch a lot, quite a lot of politics. I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy it as like a, a, you know, a sort of hobby and same thing. And I'm going to admit something, which is 
I have no idea really anything about Dominic Cummings. When he did his press conference, first time I've ever seen seen him speak. I have no I I have no idea if the guy's an idiot, if he's a mastermind. I don't know if he's Steve Diamond or Rob Baxter. I honestly don't know. So so from that point of view, is there a rugby player that you you kind of see you see you're aware of, but you never ever hear from? No, I know exactly who he is. Mark McCall. Not a bad shout. That's a really good shout. I, I yeah. was thinking, I was like, when you said that, Tim, I was just thinking Owen Farrell, maybe. Because we, we, when we say yeah. that, we never see, other than him playing, we never see anything of Owen Farrell. And people, get, get, and people are constantly trying to get him into the news. They want to make him the story, and he never gives you anything. Yeah, which is quite remarkable, really, that he manages to avoid it all. Yeah, Mark McCall or Owen Farrell. There you go. Uh, and we've also got one from a friend of the pod, Steve Parrott, who said, um, given the journalist's technique in briefings, I think he's referring to here, should post-match interviewers adopt the one minute, 30 second multi-phase questioning technique <laughs> of which the top journalists are so fond? <laughs> no, I have seen plenty of that and I don't wish to see any more of it. It's horrendous, isn't it? It's like six layered questions spread across two minutes can you imagine can you imagine how how long like any of us or you know me i actually do it can you imagine how long i'd last if i asked one question the way robert peston asked the question (laughs) although i will say say something else um there are some areas of, of of the briefings that i think we could incorporate into um post post match stuff providing it doesn't step on tim's toes of course because the most important thing is we hear what 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 Tim, Tim asks first first. But if we can safeguard that, I'm quite up for getting I don't know, uni lad uh, to uh, to <laughs> to uh, or or Robbie Savage. You know, <laughs> I think I think getting some random person who's like who has watched the game or or has phoned in just to ask a player a quick question, line him up. Uh, so you deal with Owen Farrell and then Owen, quick question here uh, from Pat Butcher from EastEnders. I love I, it. I love it. Or even, even uh, you know, um, it could be a little feature they embed in the in the BT Sport app. If if you're watching on the app, you could you know just you, you could you idea. could just buzz into your camera and here we go. You're live, Jonathan Beardmore yeah. in uh, in Chilton. What's your question? With you with, with my six layer question. <laughs> Good idea. That Robbie Why? Savage one. That was amazing, that, wasn't it? I was like, what? I remember seeing that going, hey. Have they done it by a tombola? Just <laughs> let's pick out a name. I didn't even hear the question. I just saw the screenshot of, of, of Robbie Savage. Today, it's Chico from X Factor. What's your question? <laughs> <laughs> it's the way they say it too, right? Because obviously the politician has to call, call it out. So, Jared uh, from Uni Lad, please. Oh, no, Lad Bible. Lad Bible. Is. Yeah, Lad Bible. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, Ro- Robert Savage, please, of Leicester City. <laughs> Very good. Um, and what else haven't we covered? Oh, Nick Ezekwe, the you know, we've been hearing about that one forever. Him going on loan to Northampton, that's going. Uh, yeah, Marutoji yeah. still hasn't settled where he's going to go. We know people like Mako, uh, sorry, Billy. I don't know about Mako, actually, but we know Billy and Owen Farrell, for example, are going to stay with Saracens. Yeah. Which, which... Mar- Maro, we still don't know. No. Yeah. I, su- I, I suspect the strategy is to keep the biggest of the big guys around because let's be honest if Billy, Mako, Owen 
and Mario don't play a whole season of rugby, it'll probably benefit them. All the guys who are one step down, they still need to improve. They still need to be Mario and Billy and all the rest of it. So they need to get out there and play for Northampton or whoever it is. Yeah, and that's why the, the Ben Earl, the Ben Spencer, the Nick Ezequie, all of those guys, it makes perfect sense for them. Yeah, to yeah. Well elsewhere. Yeah. There, there was another bit of, I think it was last week, just because just uh, I was reminded about it when we were talking about Rugby League. Did anyone see who Warrington signed? Warrington Wolves. Uh, Greg Inglis. Yeah, Greg Inglis, who's come out of retirement to play for Warrington. <laughs> I had quite a funny uh, WhatsApp exchange um, uh, uh, about this. Um, he's been retired for a year, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, about 12 and months or so. He's, he's 33. Yeah. He's so still, I, still young. He could do a job. He's not yeah. a unit. I can't remember why he retired, though. Uh, I think it was injuries. Something like that. But I, I you know, I, I mean, he's had a few various different scrapes and brushes with the law at various different points. But yeah. which, which NRL player hasn't, to be fair? Exactly. You're not an NRL player if, 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 you, if you haven't done, done that. I just question, like, do you want someone in your squad who is probably going to be on a huge amount of money hasn't played for you and maybe has a bit of a checkered disciplinary past. Is that really the guy to settle down the team and push you forward? Might or be. It, and it might bring um, some fans in. He's, he is a big name. He, he's one of the, the all-time greats. He, he's enormous. He's rapid. He's strong as anything. He's got we, we know him. And this isn't to sound like um, as if we know things each other's don't. Um, but I wonder how many... I wonder how many non-rugby league fans know who he is. Uh, yeah, you 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 going to be tapping into rugby league market. Yeah, as in, as in you, you're maximising your rugby league fans rather than bringing, I don't know, you're energising your base. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it works. I hope it works. And actually, watching him. Uh, well, a, a player, you know, thinking about retirement or not, it sort of ties in with this one from Bertie J. Quite an interesting question. This one. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure how I feel about it, but <clears throat> Bertie says, why do players bleat about what a struggle their, quote, transition is? Um, why are they so poor? Well, I mean, so why are they so poor with their time that they can't prepare, train, uh-huh. further education, etc. well in advance? And secondly, why should we care? Oh, I've got loads, uh, loads of good answers. So it's, 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 quite a, um, it's, it's quite a forthright sort of point of view and I guess when you look at the whole backdrop with you know people thinking well I'm not I don't have a job but you know no, no one's cr- no one's crying for me it's just interesting oh. tied in so Adam Thompson for example was saying in the rugby paper today his contract with Leicester Tigers is up and he might have to just he doesn't want to retire he thinks he's got a couple more years left in him one, one more big contract but there's no nobody biting because of the situation at the minute yeah so he's got so Thank you for your multi-layered question. Yeah, um, that was actually, wasn't that, it? Yeah, that, that, that would be the first thing. So the reason I think that they struggle more, more than anyone else is because of the nature of playing, of playing the sport. And I don't mean the physicality, although that obviously is a thing. But if you've been at a club, and this has happened to me, actually. Um, I'm not equating my experiences of um, rugby with theirs. But say if you're in a club and then you move away. So I was at Colwyn Bay. I moved over to, um, to Manchester for, for work. And then you go back. 
say a year later or six months later and half your team is different. So you go from a situation where you think, oh yeah, everyone will remember me when I come back to absolutely no one. And that's just if you play local, you think, oh, that's a bit odd. Now imagine if you're being completely immersed in this world for 10 years, say, and then you come back and no one knows you. And then the, you know, the fans don't know you. You've gone from someone who's really, really important to someone who's just a normal guy, um, uh, a normal guy on the street. And I know it's uh, not exactly, um, you know, whip out the violins, particularly if you're uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Average Job who, ne- uh, who has never experienced that. But I think it is a really difficult transition to be in the public eye and be someone who everyone looks up to, if that's what, if that's what indeed what you are, to just a normal person. I think that's a really difficult thing to do. The, the graveyards are full of indispensable men. Exactly right, Phil. Exactly right. And just, just to add to that, so I, I think, I think um, one of the other things is when, if you are a senior rugby player, um, that you've spent 15 years or even longer uh, in that profession, you're, you're at the, the top of your game, or even, you're at a very high level, you get recognition. And then at the end of that, you then start in a job as an accountant or a, like, what, whatever it is, you're starting on the bottom rung of yeah. the ladder. And it's a, it's a weird, like, it, I don't think um, these guys don't need huge amounts of sympathy, but it, it is, it's a difficult um, thing to go from well, being it's a bloke to being just someone else. It's an incredibly difficult thing. And um, the reason it's difficult is because you're spending habits. If you earn, if you're earning, earning £130,000 a year, which is broadly speaking what the average rugby player earns in the Premiership, which everyone thinks, oh, it's great. Well, first of all, you know, if you're 22, you have no idea how to handle that amount, that, that, that amount of money. Second of all, your spending habits uh, will reflect that. You'll tend to get a bigger mortgage earlier. You'll tend to have children earlier. If we look at all the statistics, it looks like people are having children later because that's when they'll be financially more capable. So a rugby player has to be very careful as to when they do things like, for instance, for instance like plan their family. Because all of a sudden you might have three um, three kids growing up, and then a cut in your income of something like seventy five percent. It's up. It's absolutely savage. And maybe your other half is very happy being uh, be, uh, be, be, uh, being at home, or maybe she maybe she doesn't work. You don't. Uh, you simply don't don't know what the individual situation is. I also link this right. This is a little bit of a controversial thing to think, but I link this to the women's game in rugby. Because they are clamouring for um, professionalism, right? And I completely sympathise and I agree that anyone who wants to be a professional rugby player, if they're good enough, and there is a potential opportunity to be one, should be one. But if I could be the best rugby player in the world, like I think some of the England ladies are, but I could do it on a part-time basis... I would do that in a heartbeat because you can then maintain your professional career. You can transition out the sport and then you don't have all the nastiness of the surprise of having all of your, uh, all of your income cuts. And I think, you know, they should be very careful about wanting to go professional for that exact reason, because the transition is, is difficult. So if you're going to be a professional sports person, you better make damn sure that you put your money to good work um, and that you're prepared for what's, uh, and, you're, and that you're prepared for what's coming next. So I've got a brother <clears throat> that was a professional rugby player from the age of, what, 18 to 35. Yeah. And um, so, you know, yeah, yeah. And 
And he, he'd do it all over. He'd do it all over again. Yes, it's difficult, but what an unbelievable life you, cool. you get to. And he wasn't, you know, he was a you know a, a job in rugby player, good, solid championship and Premiership squad player, and um, well, you know, top 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 of his game in the championship uh, in the Premiership level was a squad player, and uh, I, he he, would, he wouldn't change it in a, in a heartbeat. He was a so so I, I think I get what Bertie Bertie was saying, which is what an amazing job you get to do, and then. After you've done this incredible job, you get to be like we all are. Yeah, so I, I interviewed for Rugby Dungeon this week um, Mark Evans, ex-head uh, uh, ex at, at Saracens. Sorry, director, director of Rugby at Saracens, but was also in charge of Harlequins for a, a long, long time. And he was explaining that Harlequins had a situation where they would recruit players based on their geography. They'd have one guy who's in accounting, one guy in law, and one guy doing something else. And that's how they would get their players in by just getting them a job. That was the old school way. And it just made me think, what would be cooler? Being a, a, yeah, a top rugby player, I want to say top, like nationally top, like one of the best rugby players in the country and also holding down a job in law and being a big wig in, in, um, in the city or just being a rugby player. And I have to say, I think it's the first one. I think it's that mix of being able to do all the things that you want to professionally and also play this great game to a really high standard. And I will just, so I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, and it, that is incredible challenge, incredibly challenging. Uh, having done it at a much lower level of balancing, well, studying, working and playing a lower level of rugby, it is a challenge. Um, I just, I think one of the points that, that Bertie J does make on this around um, the preparation, uh, as in training for your game, but also training for your future career, um, it is a good one. And actually, that's something that is, I think, these days is much, much better done. Um, yeah. The, the players are be- much better informed and they're given good opportunities by the clubs. And the RPA do a lot of good work in that regard to ensure yeah. that people aren't going out. Uh- I'm not particularly kind to the RPA recently, particularly about the 25% pay cuts, but they are brilliant at that. That is the thing that the welfare aspect that they do incredibly well. So yeah, I, I think they, I think look, when you're, when you're 25, absolutely, absolutely shredded, amazing at sports, worshipped, you think it's going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know why they don't transition uh, or why they're not thinking about transitioning at that point. That is why. They're thinking about coffee with the boys and summer holidays in Vegas, Ibiza. Yeah, exactly. There's a real simple human explanation for that one. (laughs) Hmm. Well, excellent. Uh, Unless there's anything else you want to cover off. Any other business? Uh, What would you put in? Because so in the rugby paper, in this week's rugby paper, it was my room 101s. We talked about that earlier. What would you, you, if you could put something in, what would you put in? Do you have any pet hate? Yeah, um, any, yeah, in fact, I've got loads. Um, first of all, I would put in um, va- anything to do with the values values of the game, any statements made through the values of the game or any appropriation of so-called values to further whatever agenda that, that, that you have, that can definitely go. I've <laughs> um, um, got loads. I'll, but, oh. I'll, I'll do uh, bad gym etiquette. Which, oh. which can involve a, a whole range of things. Bicep curls in the squat rack. 
that's a that's one of the best examples or shoulder shrugs in the squat. shoulder shrugs in the squat rack oh my god Positive shoulders boys i need the squat rags uh, rack 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 for that i got I, I got so wound up i got in an argument with a guy about that once because i just <laughs> said would you mind if you just if if you know you you just put the bar on the floor next to the squat rack so i could actually squat but he uh, he 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 didn't like deadlifting a bar before he shrugged it. Yeah, his legs probably aren't strong enough to do that. Yeah, it, when I, you, I didn't think of that actually. You're right. When your traps are stronger than your legs, when you can shrug <laughs> more than you can deadlift, <laughs> you, know, you know you're doing gym wrong. <laughs> yes, quite. I should wish I'd said that. I wish I'd just walked <laughs> off and said that. Damn it! Damn it! Things we wish we said. Yeah. Uh, oh that, God. That, that is that is my coffee. That, that's a great a, a great coffee book the egg chasers coffee book we can write down things that happened things we really said and then things no things we wished we said and then actually what we did say during the thing yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great shout you like therapy right. as well good suggestions right and with that we'll wrap it up and we will move on um to make sure you hit subscribe in the feed because we've got a special podcast looking back i mean great minds think alike flats and shanks did it for world rugby and we decided last week we were going to do this very game as well the 2015 Rugby World Cup quarter, uh, not quarterfinal, pool match between England and Wales at Twickenham. We back ourselves at home. Yes, we're going there. <laughs> Me and Phil, this was a pain, painful experience to revisit, but we did it. And make sure you listen to the next podcast for that. Um, hit subscribe. He's at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. You know Phil, he's lurking. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.